Kate Miller Falja, and you are very welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. You're listening to Series 1, Episode 1. Hello, welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. This is Mike. And Karina. Collins. Yeah, that's the two of us. And we're going to be your hosts and hostesses uh, for what is now, Karina, for the entirety of um, series one. And here we are with episode one of the Letter from Ireland show. Well, this is really exciting for us both. Mike has been putting and assembling everything together here and we're in our studio now, just starting on number one letter number one show so it's a epic moment for us and let's hope you enjoy it as much as we're going to <laughs> indeed okay so now um so karina what kind of format are we going to have for this particular letter from ireland show and by the way maybe the clue is in the title uh, the letter from ireland well you know today i think wouldn't it be lovely to start with the two of us and unpacking our irish family tree yeah, yeah. And, you know, as Karina says there, what we're going to do over the next uh, 13 episodes or so is for each one, we're actually going to take two of the letters that have been written over the last two and a half years, if you're familiar with those. And uh, by the way, they'll be in show notes as well, so you can read them and I'll refer to them at the end of the show. And um, basically what we're going to do is we're, we're going to read each one of those letters and just have a little bit chat about how perhaps they might, uh, I suppose, the ideas in there and the thoughts in there and the entertainment in there, how it's all about bringing your Irish ancestry to life. Because that's what we're all here about. That's what we're all about here on your Irish heritage. So um, as you say there, Karina, what we're going to do is we're actually going to introduce yourself and myself. And um, we're going to do so because you're actually going to read out a letter which is all about your mum's... Yes, my my mum's family and where they came from in North Cork. And I'd like to just use that as my introduction on this first episode. Uh, Just go through my family tree. Great stuff. And on my side, I'm going to take my father's and I'm going to read a letter called One Man and 35 uh, Family Surnames. And it's basically all about, I suppose, his own grandfather, where he came from, a place called Baldihob in West Cork. And some reflections on some of the surnames in his family tree and just what life was like back then. Cade Milifalja, and I hope you're doing well. It's a cool and bright Sunday morning here in County Cork. The early flowers are coming out on the trees as I look out the window. A nice cheery burst of colour to enjoy. I'm having a peppermint tea this morning and I hope you join me now with a cup of whatever you're having yourself. I was chatting with my father a few days back and, you know, he's of an age where childhood memories spring up unexpectedly into the conversation. He talked about the great time he had with his brothers lepping and pushing each other off the edge of the pier and filing the muck while his father worked on a boat nearby. As children ourselves, we went swimming off the end of the same pier on many the endless summer day, not another person in sight for miles around. That sounds rather idyllic, Mike. Oh, you can say that again. The memories are coming back. John Collins. In 1880, John Collins, my great-grandfather, left the townland of Ardura Moor in West Cork and travelled all of 10 miles to marry Catherine Sullivan. They then built a house in the townland of Filnamuck on the shores of Roaring Water Bay, where John could build his boats on the nearby pier. Now, John was a skilled shipwright 
and was responsible for both designing and building the sandboat fleet of Baldihob. In the days before artificial fertiliser, it was essential to feed the land with both kelp and nutrient-rich sand from the bottom of local inlets. These sandboats dredged the inlets and carried the sand to the local quays. The local farmers either had sandboats of their own for this purpose or hired boat owners to keep their land supplied. Baldihob Quay was a central hive of sandboat activity. The boats came in by day and night, discharged a load of sand and kelp for the local farmers to collect by horse and cart. It was a centre of commerce, chat and entertainment. And you know a funny thing, Crean, I'm just thinking back on that. I actually remember seeing my last horse and cart down there in Baldihob, and it must be 1974 thereabouts. Wow, that's a bit yeah. later than most other places in it's the country. Not the way. Yeah. And you know what it was? It was actually one of our neighbours used to bring his horse and cart with a big old, um, I suppose, container in the back down to our well because our well had the continuous supply of all the wells in the area. So you guys had the water. That we had the water, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were like the modern day shakes, that's it, yeah. So, um, yeah, Baldihog Key was the centre of commerce, chat and entertainment. Now, John Collins ran his operation for Filenamuk Pier a couple of miles from the village. It was constantly busy with apprentices and visitors dropping by for repairs and a general chat. While John was relatively successful with his boat building business, most of his own brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews had to look elsewhere for a living. And it was always overseas. My great-grandfather John died in 1916 and his son Mike took over the business. However, by the end of the Second World War, the demand for sand as a fertiliser dropped away. My own father and his brothers were in line to apprentice as boat builders but now, of course, there was no point. So they served their time as carpenters instead. And each in turn headed towards the building boom that was London in the 1950s. I wonder how John Collins would feel if he could cast an eye over what became of his children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Of all his descendants, only one in four, imagine that, remain in Ireland today. I think that's fairly typical that's, as well, Craig, isn't it? Right. That was yeah. quite common, really, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, the following surnames from his family tree give an indication of the many corners of the world where the rest ended up. So here we go. Balfour, Barry, Bosley, Britton, Burke, Cannon, Collins, Cornett, Deutscher, Doreen, Donovan, Fennel, Flores, Freeman, Glazek, Goff, Halliday, Hervey, Craiger, Laster, Lean, McCune, Morocco, Nelson, O'Brien, O'Donovan, O'Neill, Pilarski, Richardson, Ryan... Rabinsky, Stipula, Valentine, Whetstone, Whitford. There we have 35 family surnames. So today, Karina and myself might take a trip down to Filnamuk and sit on the edge of the pier, maybe even dip our toes in the still chilly water. We'll think of John Collins if we catch a boat sailing by and the many hundreds of our cousins who spread all over the world from this very spot. Talk next week, Sloan, Mike and Karina. So, Karina, do you remember actually coming across Vile Muck for the first time when I, I brought you down there? I actually do remember <laughs> do you? that. What, what do you remember? I remember coming across the hill. Um, we were on a date, I think, actually. Ooh, Mike, a date. Weren't we? yeah. In the very early days of our courtship. And so I was trying it on at that stage. Uh, well, I think you Bringing were, you to the homestead. You were definitely out to impress, and there's nothing more impressive than the sight from the top of Vile Muck yeah. out over Roaring Water Bay. Yeah. And I shall never forget that view. Water all around us, beautiful hills, the castle, Kilco Castle in the distance. 
was very romantic. I think you were on a winner there. <laughs> so that was a good start. Good. You know, isn't it amazing as well how so much of rural Ireland like that, uh, the rural Ireland, I suppose, that did not give the livelihood that people needed down through the decades and the centuries mm. have turned into such kind of pleasurable spots nowadays and holiday spots. They sure have. And I suppose yeah. that's part of their charm, the fact that they didn't become industrialised. There weren't yeah. many people about, so they still have that natural rural elements still yeah. still there for us to experience and enjoy. And I think, you know, that's often our readers when they get back to us and talk about the places they visit in Ireland. They're often uh, these kind of townlands and often in the middle of nowhere. Very often in the middle <laughs> yeah. of nowhere. We've been yes. to a few of them. Now. Absolutely. Yes. But, you know, they're, they're so precious at the same time in their memories and they're such beautiful places when they get there as well. And, you know, they're outside the normal kind of places you hear about, like the Cliffs of Moher and Rocket Cashel and Dublin City and Cork City and so on. Yes, they're, but they're, they're got a whole quiet, charm of their the own. The quieter, yeah. more, rural, more rural places. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're actually going to visit one of those places now in your letter. <laughs> yes, I think my family definitely came from a rural part yeah. of uh, North Cork instead of West Cork. This time we're moving to, to North Cork. Okay, so off you go. Great. So um, in this letter... Unpacking Your Irish Family Tree. Cade Mila Folta, and welcome to your letter from Ireland for this very fine autumn week. Well, at least it is here in County Cork. We're seeing our first mention of Halloween, and that's a sure sign that the summer is in the rearview mirror. I hope you are doing well wherever this letter finds you in the world today. Now, we see a lot of Irish family trees both here and in the green room. Do you have a family tree of your own? Perhaps handwritten in a sketchbook or carefully constructed and annotated on ancestry.com. What's your biggest challenge or wish with the information on this tree? Today, we're going to do a little unpacking of one family tree that's closer to home. Well, our home, that is. Do you know, I'm just thinking before you go on there, Karina, that the challenge I certainly see from the kind of people writing in and people in the green room and so on is that the paper trail ends somewhere. Uh-huh. And it always ends somewhere on Ancestry.com or like with records they pick up themselves because they only go back so far and there's been all sorts of kind of, I suppose, kind of accidents along the way that have burnt records and so on. And, you know, certainly when we were kind of talking about this letter and so on, the unpacking of a family tree, it wasn't just about kind of getting the names and the dates and so on. It was about bringing the contents more to life, as we like to say, bring the ancestry to life, you know. And, I, you know, I, I, I love this and you're about to kind of go into it, obviously, because it gives your own personal perspective mm-hmm. on bringing your own family tree to life and how it came to be and how all the people wandered into the area, you know, who they met, what happened when they met and so on. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this now. Yes. Yeah, so let's get started. <laughs> yep, let's get started. Let's continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one Irish village and six Irish surnames. The village of Bantir lies to the north of County Cork, close to the town of Canturk. Now, this is a very small, quiet farming community, the sort of place you visit because you have a reason to go there, not because you're just passing by. Many of the houses, farms and field boundaries have been in the same family for hundreds of years. While many people may have emigrated from this spot over the decades, not too many people arrived in the opposite direction. The territory was ruled over by the McCarthys for many centuries and their chief families, McAuliffe, O'Keefe, O'Callaghan, Hartnett, Fitzpatrick and O'Reardon, helped them to rule. 
This is the village of my, that my mother left as a young woman in the early 1960s, and her name was Mary O'Donoghue. So Mike and I decided to unpack my mother's family tree and cover some of the names and history held within that tree so that we hope you enjoy it. Now, the first name we come across is Cronin. Cronin families are found all over this part of County Cork and west to the County Kerry as well. They are, were probably part of the original Kirkalia Gaelic tribe that occupied these parts for hundreds of years. One of the most famous branches of the Cronins were the Arenics of Gugonbara. Have you been there? The Arenics were a kind of lay abbot and they had responsibility for managing the lands and relics surrounding an abbey. Joe Cray, I just wanted to comment on something there, which is of the word tribe, because... You know, when people kind of come across families and uh, I suppose in Europe generally, we think of things like clans in Scotland and sometimes in Ireland as well. Uh, we think about the term, I suppose, septs, S-E-P-T-S has come in. Sept. Yeah. And I like the word tribe because it kind of really kind of drives home that idea of kind of a close cohesiveness that was there mm-hmm. in these family groupings in Ireland before the introduction of surnames. And of course, we've one of the oldest surname systems, if not the oldest in the world. And, you know, you're going through some of those surnames there. Yes. But it was equally important as well, which kind of grouping they actually came from. Like the Corkalia now, which is very, very much kind of of that particular area and all down into Cork. Uh, West Cork, I should West say. West Cork, yeah. Um, you know, so so we're going to use the word tribes quite a lot, actually. And we don't mean it in any sort of kind of fundamentalist, disparaging sort of way. But it's actually that group of families and that group of people that came from a shared kind of, I suppose, background in a shared place. Mm. So that shared background, the Arenigs, anyway, you know, that were um, doing their lay abbot work and looking after the money side of things. Funnily enough, you know, they would have made very good accountants today. And would you believe there are some good accountants in my family as it just stands? <laughs> I know it well, so yeah. <laughs> there you are, the Cronin family accountants. They're still, they're still standing. Then we move on to O'Donoghue. Now, there was always a problem with small isolated communities like Bantir, especially before the coming of the bicycle, because how did you travel around and meet new people? Marriages occurred between small groups of families and there were limited opportunities beyond the second and third cousins. Uh, John O'Donoghue left his home in Killarney and arrived into Bantir as a stonemason in the 1870s. As you might imagine, it wasn't just his work that was assessed carefully when he arrived by the local families. So John stayed and married Julia Cronin and brought the O'Donoghue surname into the Bantir area for the first time. Now, these were my own great grandparents. Like Cronin, O'Donoghue is also most likely a Kirkalea name. They established themselves around the lakes of Killarney in the 1300s. If you have ever visited Ross Castle on the banks of Loch Lane in Killarney, that was built by the O'Donoghues, and that is where you'll find most people of the O'Donoghue name today. So, so there's, Karina, there's yeah, my castle, on. Mike. There's your castle. <laughs> You're going to claim that one for sure. Yeah. It's a nice prominent position, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. we were visited there last year, actually, yeah. and we have some very nice photos um, up online. From, from there, from Killarney, and the view over to the castle across the lake. I, I still remember that. Yeah, mind you, the Dunhoos didn't stay there very long. They were booted out of out by the Bull McCarthy's after a short period of time. That's true. Their glory was short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> they put the building work in, 
and then scooped it. Okay. Now, the next name coming up on my family tree here is O'Connor. The other name in the Cronin household was O'Connor. Do you have this name in your family tree? The O'Connor name is very prominent in Ireland, especially in the counties of Connacht, where they were kings for many centuries. In fact, the family produced the last high kings of Ireland. In this case, however, the O'Connor name probably came from north of County Kerry, near the town of Listole, and drifted towards Bantir over the centuries. Now, next up is Toomey, from the Irish O'Tuma, and spelled T-W-O-M-E-Y in Cork, or sometimes in Limerick, it's T-O-O-M-E-Y. Today, the Toomey name is quite prevalent all around County Cork, but it originated out of County Clare with the Dalgash tribe. This was the tribe of upstarts, this is Mike's writing now, that were led by Brian Baru. They seemingly came out of nowhere, but they quickly established themselves as one of the most powerful cohorts in the country. They gave us the surnames such as O'Brien, McNamara, Heffernan, Kelleher, Hickey, Kennedy, O'Grady, Sheehan, O'Regan, Clancy, McMahon, as well as Toomey and many more. So like many members of the Dalgash tribe, the Toomey name drifted outside their homelands down through the centuries and in this case they ended up in North and Mid Cork and in my family tree. Now Moynihan. So when the Toomey household was well established in Bantir and this was back in the 1880s, along came a shoemaker by the name of Dennis Moynihan. He was typical of many craftspeople and labourers who travelled for work. They stayed with the community for months at a time, doing a job and then moving on. He probably started his journey from somewhere along the Cork and Kerry border. Moynihan is one of those Irish names that tells you a little about where the owner comes from, because it literally means man from Munster, and is very prevalent around the lands of North Cork and East Kerry. And you know what, it's interesting that because... That's the thing about Irish names. We actually don't have very many names like that. By comparison, in England, oh, yes. you've got all those names with T-O-N at the end, like Somerton and so on, or perhaps Churchill, or you know that sort of thing. Or else people are named after what they do, like Thatcher, Carpenter, Miller. and so on. Miller, exactly, yes. yeah. yeah. But, I mean, predominantly here, in Ireland at least, most people are actually, uh, you know, it's the O's and the Max of things like uh, a personal name. That was, uh, and the personal name is often descriptive. So, like Kennedy is kind of, I suppose, the best way to describe is like ugly head or strong headed or something like or that. Sulawan, exactly, or Sulawan, <laughs> which became, of course, Sullivan in um, in English. So, you know, the, we actually have very few of those names, like uh, Moynihan. We have other names like Desmond, which is a person that comes from Desmond. We have names like. Ones we think about, like Monaghan, which you might think comes from County Monaghan, but actually comes from the Irish for a monk, Monaghan. So, you know, there's very few of those actual place names actually used in Irish surnames. So Moynihan then is unusual, being man man from Munster. There you go. So the Moynihan in my family tree was Dennis Moynihan, and he settled down in Bantir and married Catherine Toomey, and these were my mother's great-grandparents. Now, finally, we have Murphy, the other name of the Toomey household. I never heard that name before. (laughs) 
Oh, that's a very common one, isn't it? Uh, I think maybe lots of sorry, our no, listeners. Sorry, no. Lots of our listeners may have Murphy. The, wor- the word "common" and people who hold the word the name Murphy. We'll have to say the word "numerous" rather than "common." I think from now oh, on, yeah. will we? Numerous. <laughs> the other name in the Toomey household in Bantir was Murphy. Okay, here we are with the most numerous surname in Ireland today. How did it become that way? Well, the Murphy name established itself in three main regions over the centuries. First, there were the Murphys of County Wexford, a name that came from the ruling McMurrah family there. Then we had the McMurphys of Tyrone and Armagh, mostly just called Murphy today. Finally, there are the Murphys of Central and Northwest Cork on into Kerry. This name is one of the most numerous around the village of Antir, a native home to the Murphy name for many centuries. So there we have it, Mike. The Murphys, Toomeys, Cronans, O'Connors of Bantir, joined by the travelling Moynihans and O'Donoghues, all part of my mother's North Cork family tree. So, how about you? Do you know the stories and origins behind the surnames in your Irish family tree listeners? And have you tried to unpack them yet? Well, I know some of you have because we've been listening and hearing one of some of your wonderful stories and hear, seeing them online. Now, we hope you have a great week. And slán for, for now, Mike and Corina. Yeah, and you know, it's, thanks for that, Corina, because it's a really interesting, uh, I suppose, very personal letter for you as well. And I know st- some of those names actually just got revealed to you quite recently because like many Irish people living on the island of Ireland, you know, we don't have as much, I suppose, kind of time put into researching our family tree and so on. So what kind of surprises, if any, were there for you? And I'm kind of thinking as well, you know, I know that you heard some of the stories about some of those people, maybe kind of from people over time, like your aunts and uncles and so on. Did that confirm some of the stories that you actually were hearing all along? Well, I think you hear from your aunts and uncles little pieces like a jigsaw puzzle yeah and then when you actually look at some data and uh, dates yeah. you find that all this fits together very nicely um, I got, obviously of course I was very surprised to find that there was a Cronin on my mum's side as she married my dad who was also a Cronin so we actually have Cronin on both sides imagine that yeah so great accountants on both sides <laughs> of the family it was inevitable at the end yeah yeah, yeah. okay and of course, I suppose Bantir is one of those places, a bit like Baldy Hob, off, you know, it's a place that people leave and have left for many, many years. Again, you know, a poor, poor area, land not really good near the Mushroom Mountains, uh, boggy land. So even in my grandfather's family, there were nine, nine children. He was the youngest and he was the only one to stay in Bantir or in Lyre, actually. And he became a farmer there, obviously, and ran the farm. And all of his brothers and sisters emigrated. And most Every of the one of them? Every single one. Wow. So out of how many? Nine. Out of nine, every single one, bar one, emigrated from so Bantir. So the youngest himself, he stayed. And out of my father's family, every one of them emigrated as well. Except, but some came back. Yeah. Four of them emigrated and three came back, mm-hmm. which is interesting, really, you know. Um, because I think kind of what happened there as well was... Whilst people emigrated a lot right up to the 1950s, round about the end of the 1960s, people started to come back to, not necessarily back to Bantir and Baldy Hob, mm. 
but back to the city of Dublin, the city of Cork and so on. As happened with you, you yeah. came back to Dublin and then your dad moved you back to yeah, Cork. That's yeah, that's it, that's it. Mm. So folks, that's, um, I suppose, Karina and myself unpacking our family trees and giving you a little bit of introduction to our background. I hope you very much enjoy those particular letters and uh, just stay tuned and we'll give you a little bit more information on how you can join in the fun, where you can find further references and just what's coming next. Okay, that's it from the Letter from Ireland show for this episode. I do hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can see the uh, full show notes, including the written letters themselves and uh, various helpful links over at youririshheritage.com, episode 101. That's youririshheritage.com, episode 101. In the next episode, episode two, we're looking forward to you joining us when we're going to be talking about the Irish language, uh, looking at and listening to some old Irish sayings you may already be familiar with, and also how your Irish surnames changed at various times in various places in Ireland, according to the language and the accents used. I think you'll find it fascinating and very useful. So do join us. Looking forward to uh, talking again next week. Slough for now.